Welcome to episode 31 of Kneel Before Odd. I'm your host, Audrey Kearns, and thanks for joining me. Thanks for taking some time to listen to me shoot the breeze with someone that's awfully kind of you. And the someone for this episode is actor Kai Erickson. Kai is a lifelong actor with an incredible resume. He's been on set since he was a wee boy and worked with the likes of Richard Dean Anderson on MacGyver. You heard me, Kai was on MacGyver twice. Also, he's worked with Michael Chiklis, Scott Bakula, the list goes on and on, it really does. And he's been part of several iconic television shows such as Star Trek Enterprise and The 4400. Kai and I spent a lovely hour with one adult beverage each and talked about music influences, acting, being Canadian and American, and how to be an all-around good person, which is exactly what Kai Erickson is. We did this all while my dog, Scout, chewed loudly on his rawhide, just so you know what that noise is in the background. Uh, This was such a pleasant interview for me, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Episode 31 of Kneel Before Odd with myself, Audrey Kearns, and my guest, actor Kai Erickson. Internet, heed this call. Open your minds and ears and prepare yourself to kneel before odd. Hi there, and welcome to a new episode of Kneel Before Odd. I'm your host, Audrey Kearns, and this is a show where I interview geek patriots. And today I'm very pleased to be interviewing Actor Kai Erickson. Hi, Kai. Hello. I'm laughing because you're <laughs> you're you're trying to keep my dog calm. I'm trying to keep him at bay here and and, and, yeah. pet, and he's sniffing away. And well, he probably smells your dogs yes. right now, right? Yes. You yeah. should meet my dog. They'd be yeah. crazy together. They would. Yes, they're, uh, they're they're both high strung <laughs> at different sizes, so I'm really curious what they would be like together. That'd be a lot to handle. Yeah. Either your dog has a just... cooler name than I mean, I love my dog. His name is Scout, but your yeah. dog's name is Loki and yeah. it fits him perfectly. Or he is that way because we gave him that. Or name. You, I mean, you, you name think a dog he's trying Loki, to live you up to his name. So Kai, uh, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Um, of course. Uh, what I always start my podcast with asking people what their nerd origin story is. But for you, uh, what are you nerdy about? Um, I, I get nerdy about two things. I get nerdy about uh, music yeah. and gardening. But gardening is a newer one, and and music goes back to you know, being a kid. and uh-huh. getting... What's your nerd origin story with that, with music, being a kid? Um, I always liked music, uh, but music is you know, way ahead of my time. Stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, as a child, kids were not listening to. I mean, 14-year-olds right. don't really listen to classical. Uh, and and you like were that. at that yeah, age? and I loved oldies. I loved oldies. But I guess the big moment of understanding how powerful music uh-huh. could be and how sort of nerdy My dog about, is chewing on a rawhide, everybody, you know, just so you know. Sorry to interrupt to Kai. He's going to town. So that's what... It's not Kai going rabid. It actually looks kind of good. You got any extras? Yes. You have one after the podcast. Perfect. I get a reward. So um, were you... Were, did you get your music influence from your parents or is this something you 
came came into because you just sort of fell into it. And the heartbreaking thing is, like, my dad used to be a huge music guy. Uh-huh. He had all the the Beatles albums on L, you know, on on vinyl. I mean, right. Zeppelin. He used to listen to all sorts of great classic rock. And now it's like Bob Dylan and nothing but Bob Dylan for him. Oh, he's focused in on just one yes, thing now. <laughs> but he's also given away, and he didn't give them to me. He gave them all of his <laughs> records away, and and it, it was very upset. Um, yeah. But. Uh, did he tell you when he said, why didn't you give them to me? It was like, did, was his, because this happened with my parents. Did he say, uh, it's because I'm downsizing? Or what was his No, reasoning? he just said, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize you, you would have wanted them. Like, yes! All the original Beatles albums on vinyl? Are you kidding me? Are you crazy? Yeah. But they went to a good home, so it's okay. It's okay. So what, what was your first um, musical awakening? What was the first thing? Was it the oldies? Well, I used to like oldies when, yeah. I, was, when I was a kid. That was, there was something about the... This, the rhythm, the sound, the lyrics, it was yeah. upbeat, it was simple, but it was good. Um, I didn't realize how much I loved music and how powerful it was until I was 14 years old. Right. And in the eighth grade, the the albums to own were uh, Eric Clapton, uh-huh. the MTV Unplugged album. Yes. It was Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Yes, I remember that. And it was Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. <laughs> And I loved Guns N' Roses when I was a kid. Yeah, all of these these yeah. songs they were so vibrant. I mean, yeah. you're like a 14 year old, you know, kid, and your body's changing, and your chemicals are going nuts. And I don't know if that's what sort of your ears opened up, and you're like, holy yeah. Jesus, this is good sound. It's always stuff. great to find your sound, especially at that age. You know, yeah. like um, I'm a little older than you, but mine was like you two. You know, yeah, like in 1981 or 80. 82, I remember being at um, St. Mary's Catholic School and being in the <laughs> library, and this guy named Danny Martinez had um, stolen his uh, big brother's Walkman for the day and <laughs> had the tape of uh, U2's War, mm-hmm. and we were all like, we turned it way up so we can all hear it at the same time on the, the yeah. headphones and everything, and I was in love with U2 ever since. They were like my anthem band yep. for puberty, They yep. were, and I still love them to this day. What's your go-to now? Uh, well, I'm sure you have many... Many groups you listen to or musicians, but I mean, what's your fave? My all-time favorite is, is Dave Matthews Band. You're, so you're a Anyone big Anyone who knows DMB me knows fan. I'm a massive, like yeah. that's... You see them every that's year. That's probably my nerdiest, yeah. nerdiest thing. Yeah, yeah, I see them every single year. I've lost count of how many shows I've gone to. I see them at the Gorge in Washington, the Labor Day weekend, every year. Um, it's a three-day event. You camp out with, you know, 10,000 of your closest friends. And that's it's, awesome. It's like an event. It's yeah. really cool. You plan, like the vacation and my yeah. year around that trip. Um, there's something about the Dave Matthews band. I, uh, when I was like 17 years old and I, uh, moved to LA, they were sort of blowing up and a right. buddy had, you know, their, their album. Yeah. We went over to his house and, and hung out. And I remember he, he sort of, I guess he lived out in his parents' garage kind of a deal. Cause he had it all mm-hmm. decked out into a room and black lights everywhere and black light posters. <laughs> and we were just laying around listening to this Dave Matthews album that had just come out and it was, yeah. it was like incredible I just remember going this is amazing music because lyrically it's it's fantastic and then also I mean these guys are absolutely so talented with, they're with, very talented musicians I mean yeah. I, I am from the south and and they kind of circulated a lot in the south before they blew up mm-hmm. across the country so I remember I even went to see them mm-hmm. and everything and it's just at, at some point you just watch the amazing artistry mm-hmm. of these talented guys. Um, do you feel like, I mean, being camping with 10,000 people, you do this concert every year. <laughs> yeah. Is it like a big rejuvenation thing for you every year? Is it like a big 
Do you find it spiritual or are you just having a good time with your friends? It's both. I mean, it yeah. really is both. The lead up to it is is um, probably somewhat spiritual. Yeah. You know, you can't help but be in a fantastic mood yeah. for the two weeks prior. You just know it's like counting down the days. Right. Because um, it's a big event. And, and then it's the whole thing. It's driving out there. Uh-huh. And, you know, you, you pass by certain sites that that you know you get mm-hmm. all excited you're getting closer and you're traveling down the highway and you, as oh, soon as you pull awesome. off to go down to the amphitheater and it's down these sort of farm roads that i mean it's awesome and then when you're there it's spiritual but it also is hanging out with friends i mean for years our group has completely changed but for years it was like the same handful of people that would mm-hmm. come out every year and from all over the place from vancouver from omaha from louisiana i mean everywhere uh-huh. and and so it was like a big deal to see these people that you only see once a year right. and get together and, you know, have some drinks and go see the yeah. show. And, and it's a whole thing. You go down to the show, you, you trek in, you go down, you watch the show, then you trek all the way back to the campsite and you sit around drinking, talking about the set list and what mm-hmm. they played and how excited you were and what you were hoping to get the next yeah. night. And, and, and people make bets on what opening song is going to be. Oh, how, and, what the set list is. Exactly. Not, oh, how fun. Because they yeah. change it up. Like they're, they're, you know, they're one of the hardest touring bands in the industry. Right. I, I could be wrong, but I feel like every year they're within the top five top grossing bands because be of their surprised. touring. It's, it's yeah. like all they do. Yeah, and they have such a following for their tour. They're like the dead. It, it is. Yeah. They, they, I think they inherited the dead's old... Yeah. Uh, the old um, crowd, yeah. Because, well, part of I mean, because and, you could call them a jam band too, yeah. you know, because they, they do. They get up yeah, there and absolutely. they jam, you know. Yeah, do you now? You said you just said something very interesting about the two weeks leading up, and I understand that because uh, my Dave, Math- Ma- Dave Matthews band at the Gorge is um, Dragon Con in Atlanta yeah, yeah. every year, and so for the weeks leading up, I am so excited. And when I come home, it's just like this weird. I'm I have, I do feel rejuvenated, but I have this little kind of letdown. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. oh, now I'm back to. Yeah. I'm back to real life. Go you through Dave Depression yeah. every time Dave I leave the Gorge. Depression, I love it. And so, I love so it. the downside to that is like the two weeks prior is awesome because you're mm-hmm. you're counting down the days and you're super excited. But then for the two weeks after, yeah. you're depressed. I mean, yeah. you're down. And there was this one year, and it was in 2007, and it was just, it was such a magical weekend. Such great people, and the music was so good. They had uh, a number of songs you know, they have a lot of songs that aren't even on an album. They right. just play them live. Right. You just, you know them because they played them and they have a, a ton of live albums. So, mm-hmm. uh, but they debuted like three different songs that year. And so I'll follow the set lists for, you know, the other right. uh, stops on their tour because they mix it up every night. They're not one of these bands that plays the same yeah. set list So it's not like night. the set list is going to be released ahead of time and no. you know what's going to... Certain yeah. songs haven't been played for years, yeah. and so when they open it up, oh. it's like this, it's a special thing, and mm-hmm. uh, they actually have a whole algorithm to putting it together. They look at what they played at that venue last time, mm-hmm. uh, what they played recently on the tour, mm-hmm. but, you know, and they, they come up with this whole concoction and make this set oh, list that's, that's so different fantastic. every night. And in 2007, they debuted... Uh, three new songs and the music was just so damn good and it was just such a magical weekend and it was funny because I had just booked a guest star on Criminal Minds uh-huh. so I flew up there knowing like as soon as I come back I get I get to work on a, a cool show uh-huh. and so there there was that so you, I mean I felt this freedom that I haven't felt since I was like a 13 or 14 year old kid right. where you don't have any worries You're not worried about bills or money or anything else I'm like life is good I'm I'm working 
It's my favorite band. Uh-huh. The music is so damn good. These people are awesome. It was just this perfect... My innocence came back for this one weekend uh-huh. in 2007. And then leaving, because I had flown up to Seattle and rented from L.A. and rented a car there, and then I, I drove out. And so driving back, leaving the group, and then driving back uh-huh. to SeaTac. And I'm along this, this road, and like... Leonard Skinner's Tuesday's Gone comes on and I'm almost crying. I'm like, oh God, I'm so depressed. And it was like this really upsetting moment when I was sitting in the airport all by myself kind of, you know, I, and I couldn't be happy about the weekend anymore because it's like the super magical thing was, yeah, was now was, gone. Was and, gone. And it was, yeah, it was a rough one. Yeah. It was a rough one. Have you, have you, I understand that. I totally understand yeah. that completely, especially with stuff that you hold dear to your heart yeah. and that does affect you in such a spiritual and just emotional way and becomes part of who you are. Have you been able to, since 2007, like say, go to the gorge and have a better way of coping with leaving? Yeah. I, uh... You're a little hesitant. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Well, I think as I'm getting older, it's, you know, you're, you're more understanding of, of, you know, the fact that mm-hmm. it's not as as big of a, a deal in terms right. of, you know, it doesn't hit as hard. Right. I don't know whether you're just able to cope with it more as an adult yeah. or, or what, but it doesn't hit quite as hard. But, you know, this year was a really good year too, and, and, and leaving was really sad. It always Coming is. Back so, was, yeah. yeah. You know, go back to, to the city and you kind of... Well, you're you know. at such an elevated um, state, like... Like I said, mine is Dragon Con. Yeah. You're at, I'm at an elevated state from Thursday to Monday mm-hmm. of um, every year, Labor Day weekend, which is the same time you go see yep. your show. And then when I'm at Hartford in Atlanta, ATL, and just, you know, I'm sitting, just like what you said, sitting there and yeah. everything, you're, all these images are going through your head of this incredible weekend, yeah. you know, and then I have like a five hour flight to think about it yeah. on the way back. But, uh, yeah, I totally. It, it's I totally never been it. as severe as 2007 because yeah. I think that 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 hit so hard that since then maybe I maybe I put up some weird yeah. walls or something so that I don't have to. Yeah. Well, it sounds like maybe you know whether you know it or not. Maybe in 2007 there was some kind of breakthrough yeah. for you. I mean, it sounds you know because not every year is going to be the same. Right. You know. Right. But, this year uh, was a great year. We had a yeah. great time this year. Yeah. Um, missed Dave by by five minutes. He always goes out riding his bike around, and uh-huh. and so we were. Uh, we go to this winery that's right next to the amphitheater mm-hmm. every year, and, and we decide to walk from our campsite because it's a good good trek. You go down, yeah. do some wine tasting, stumble back, and, uh, <laughs> and they've got this long ass pee driveway. in the forest. Yeah. Yeah, you, well, that's why I think could. when I go to the winery, it goes right. Well, Kai and I are enjoying adult <laughs> beverage right now. Yes, we are. It's delicious. And uh, what I'm saying is, uh, usually goes through me pretty quick. So I can, if it's a long trek, I could see myself stopping and saying, "Okay, be right back." You, Go into the woods. <laughs> I mean, their their driveway is like a mile long, and it's yeah. treed all the way down, so it's nice and shady. And it's and then, then off to the left, it's all the grapes. Uh-huh. But to the right, it's an apple orchard. Oh wow! And this year, we saw eight huge ass deer come wow. running out of the apple orchard across the the road in front of us, and they were just in there munching on apples, and then took off into the into oh, the grapes. That sounds amazing. You just reminded me. This is not a. <laughs> Beautiful story, <laughs> like dear. Um, you know my husband Brian. Yes. You know, we Kai and I have actually known each other for some, some time, and um, I took Brian and I took my mother and my sister up to Paso Robles, which is the wine, which is a wine country near Santa Barbara County here in California, which I know you guys yeah, have been yeah, to as well. Yeah. And I forget what winery we're we're going to, and 
we stopped because we looked and there's, I think it may have been olive trees because there's a lot of olive trees up there, but there were yeah. llamas. This winery had llamas. <laughs> and so my little sister went, well, I want to take pictures of the llamas. And my little sister, she's 30-something, but, you know, I still call her my little sister. So <laughs> we get out there taking pictures. And Brian is, you know, we've been to three wineries yeah. by this point, and he wants, he's, he's going to commune with the llama. <laughs> and so he goes up there to, you know, to commune with the llama and touches the fence. It was an electrical fence. <laughs> and awesome. he gets, like, shot back. And it was one of those horrible moments um, where I had terrible uh, re- response skills and so did my mother and my sister, where we all chose to laugh. Before, instead of help. Instead of see if he was still alive. That's pretty funny. It was uh, transformative in a different way than having three lovely deer <laughs> run in front of you. Now, I yeah. can't believe I, I got off on this interview without um, telling the listeners uh, some of the things you've done. Um, some of my personal favorite shows that you have been on, of course, are Star Trek Enterprise and mm-hmm. The 4400, and mm-hmm. you were in the popular horror film See No Evil, and that's just naming a few. Your resume mm-hmm. is like a mile long because you started when you were a kid, right? Yeah, I started when I was six years old. Why? Um, was it something that you were into, or is it something that your parents were like, hey, Kai, do you want to try this out? Um, my, my mom thought I was a cute baby, and so she got me into modeling when I was uh-huh. like two. Oh, so you were doing like print work? Yeah, like for local age? catalogs uh-huh. and, and things like that. And, uh, and when I was six, we were doing some like horrible fashion show, and like, <laughs> the, the stage moms were just horrible to their kids, like just oh, these no. horrible mothers that were... It was ridiculous, and, and we were both sort of sitting there miserable. And my mom looks over at me at one point and goes, "You don't really like this, do you?" And I went, "No." Mm-hmm. She's like, "Okay, well, we'll go and tell your agent that you know we're we're sort we're of done." done. Yeah. yeah. And so we went in, sat down, and said, "You know, we're we're out." And he went, "You ever think about acting?" And I was like, "I don't know." Okay. So how were in your round six yeah. at this time? Yeah. He's like, "Why don't you give it a try? You'd be great. You'd, you'd love it." I was like, "All right." And uh, and so he started sending me out on stuff. I started booking work, and I'm like, "Wait a minute." So I get to miss school, hang out with adults all day, and get paid money. This is genius. This is awesome. And so that was... Yeah, that was well, it's so interesting. You know, um, being, an, I, being an actor myself, um, I never was an actor as a, as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, when I go in into an audition now, there's a lot of mental preparation. There's a lot mm-hmm. of hang-ups that are kind of involved with it, with me and everything. Do you think you eased your way into it because, you know, anything's possible when you're a kid? Or did you understand the stress of how hard it is to get a part when you're that age? Or did you care? Well, it, in Vancouver at the time when I started, there were only a handful of kids that kind of right. did that. And Vancouver wasn't the big TV and film production town then, or was it? It was still pretty big. It's always, it, it's it always has, been, okay. been, you know, for a very long time, Vancouver's been, you know, it's, it's called Hollywood North. I mean, right. It's, it's always been a, a very uh, busy city. Um, but, you know, there were still like a handful of kids that did it. So it would usually come down to the wire between you and like another guy or two right. other guys. Um, but the thing is, when you're a kid, you can just kind of be cute and show up and say your lines and, and that's that. You don't have to be a good actor. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm absolutely amazed. So it's more about look when you're a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm amazed at some of the, the kid actors that I see today and their instincts. Yeah. And how damn good they are. It's amazing. Because I, I was not that. I mean, I would show up and say my, my lines and they'd go, oh, okay, great. And it wasn't until I was doing the commish. And I remember the episode. I remember, the, I remember it vividly. 
um, episode uh, called Guns and Sons, and, and there was this scene, and it was like someone flipped a light switch on, and I went, oh, wait, I get it. I got to also really listen to what they're saying and kind right. of, you know, react as well. You know, because you can be a little robotic when you're a kid, too, just sort of yeah. standing there, you know, waiting to say your line. That was the biggest thing. You're yeah. sort of standing very stiff and then, listen, you know, listen, 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 my line. line. You sort yeah. of like say your line really quick and nervously yeah. and then you go back to being all stiff and quiet yeah. until you got to speak again. So you don't, you don't, you're not engaging, you're not working a scene, you don't quite have that understanding. Yeah. And that's why I'm amazed with some of the talent that's that's around now. I'm just like, Jesus, how did these kids at this age? Yeah. What are they drawing from? Like, what? Yeah. How the hell are you this sort of? <laughs> what are their parents you know, telling them? <laughs> God. Um, well, with Guns and Sons, that episode that you're talking yeah. about, do you think that's the first? That's when you became um, well, an artist. It's when I became an actor. Yeah. It was it was the understanding of working a scene, and and I'm still learning. I mean, I'm very right. very hard on myself. I, I really pick my my work apart. Uh, I'm never happy. I am, I, you know. Well, I think that's what being an artist and an actor is about. I mean, yeah. you, you're constantly trying to hone your craft yeah. and everything. Like, I, don't, yeah. I don't like watching my work. I, I, right. I hate it. I hate it. Because um, it's always, oh, I, sh- I could have done this or, or, you know, oh, why didn't I do that? And, you know, I get very hard on myself. But I, I'm learning and I'm glad that people have sort of supported me and enjoy watching, you know, this journey of, of right. you know. Because you just, you, you know, you learn, you get better, you try new things. I mean, it's, it's all an, a, a great experience. Right. But that was, that was the moment where you kinda, I kind of understood, okay, this is, this is how it's done. This is working a scene and you got to react and, and, yeah. and give back to, to you know, your fellow actors. And, and so from then on, it was neat because then it was all about, you know, working a scene yeah. and yeah. understanding how. And it how became it a whole worked. new experience for you and yeah. everything. Yeah. What's your, um, aside from the modeling show, let's, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, on a set, whether it was film or TV, um, what is your earliest memory? Um, well, when I, when I started, it makes me sound like an old man. When I started <laughs> when I start back out. in the day, but, but when I started out, it was like any other business where you, your job, where you had to work your way up. You, essentially you got promotions. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in Vancouver now to join the, the union in BC, you have to take a set etiquette class. What oh, really? a friggin' set etiquette class. Wow. You know how you get set etiquette? By being on set and learning. Because yeah. yeah. when I was a kid, when I started, you had to start out as an extra. That's what got you your on-set experience. You get to know the lingo, mm-hmm. you know, how things work. Perfect. Then, you know, eventually they throw you a line. Then eventually you get a couple lines. Then you get a little co-star, then a guest star, then you get a series, you know. So you had to work your way up like anything else. Now it's just, you know, doesn't work the same way. Yeah, you know? it's different. It's much different. Um, yeah. it's, it's very different. And so I remember um, probably the first memory was an extra, some Christmas movie. We were down in Gastown in Vancouver. Uh, is that a section of Vancouver? It is. And at night it can, it's much better now, but it used to be pretty rough, uh-huh. you know, uh, back in the day. And so they had extras holding in this old building. Right. And I don't know why I, I sort of went to the front door and was standing there looking out. Um, but for whatever reason, I was like on the front steps or out front of, of the building. And this man comes along. You know, I don't know if he was homeless. I don't know if he was crazy. But he was this guy who basically came up and was like, you know, come with me, little boy. <laughs> was trying to like, oh my goodness, take me. And one of the other kids' moms saw this. So she comes running up, right. and she's like, you leave my son alone, which was her way of defending this. Right. And I look at her, and then I'm like, you're not my oh, mom. Oh, no. And so, 
<laughs> and I went running back into the into the building. I got two people and, trying to take yeah, me. Yeah, like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> uh, and so I went running back in. But that's my first memory. That's back a, I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh my god. Now, um, so you started. Uh, you did a bunch of shows when you were a kid, yeah. and uh, when I was preparing for this interview, I was reminded, you had told me this before, but I was reminded that um, you were on an episode of MacGyver, mm-hmm. which is, of course, one of the best TV shows ever to be on television in the history of that mankind. That was a big, big moment. R- you know, Richard Dean Anderson. Well, that's my question yeah. for you. Did you realize at the time the awesome, awesomeness of what you were about to do, be on MacGyver? You, you have to understand, this was my favorite show as so a kid. So it was your favorite show before you auditioned This for was it. like the only thing I watched as a kid. This was <gasps> my show. And How old so, were you? Well, I did two episodes. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I, uh, I can't remember. It was kind of like my big break, I would consider, into right. to, like American TV. Because it was the first sort of bigger guest star right. on an American show that I ever did. It were was, you? It was, a was big it deal. filming in Canada? Mm-hmm. Or oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was up in Vancouver. Was it um, all MacGyver? Was it filmed up in Canada? Yeah, I didn't know that. As far as I know, I mean, I don't, I don't think they. Yeah, didn't no, no, no. Just, in, I, I, in LA? I, I just but, didn't know um, that. But it was it was a huge deal, and so I oh, went in such a big show, and yeah. I auditioned, and I can't remember if I was nervous or not. I might have been because I mean it was my favorite show, but I remember booking the job and being so overwhelmed and and just thinking this was the most amazing thing that had ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. And then they dropped off a script at my house. It was the first time you had a script dropped off? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they they brought it by, but I would not let it out of my sight. I carried it around with me Uh everywhere. I, I, I kept it with me. It was amazing. And... Showing up to set, and, and, and Richard uh, Dean Anderson is so nice, uh, so much so that I think it was too... So he wasn't intimidating or anything? No, because he was so nice. He was actually really good with kids. Um, and it was just such a cool environment. And I don't know if it was two or three years later that I, I did my second episode. might have mm-hmm. even been four. But I remember showing up my first day on the second episode, and different character, different... They just recycled actors mm-hmm. back in the day and... Right, right, stuff, right. You know? um, and I show up on set, and I walk up, you know, to to Richard, and uh, and he goes, "Hey, Kai, good to have you back with us." No way. And I went, "Oh my God, this is the greatest dude ever!" Whoa. And that was that was a pretty amazing moment. Did you? Um, I'm going to ask you this about a lot of the shows you did because you you've 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 done shows with some some kind of like some iconic actors, which I think Richard Dean Anderson is to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what was one thing you, you learned from observing him? You know, he had an amazing natural talent. Uh-huh. You know, I, I mean, he, it, it was weird because you're just watching someone, it's so effortless, you know, as a right. kid. Because, you know, like, oh God, I'm having trouble remembering lines or you're, you, you know, to see someone just sort of do do it so effortlessly and be so good, yeah, you know, and then be such an awesome guy and like, be a like nice he's just guy, a at cool the end dude of the day. Um, it was yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Um, <laughs> a funny thing about MacGyver was on the very last day on set, and I I, I don't tell this story often, but I do enjoy oh, telling well, it. Tell it, please, please, um, please. Because MacGyver lives on with me in every show I do, because on the last day of uh, the first episode I did. Uh, I accidentally took my wardrobe socks home with me. And my mom had this freak out about the socks. She's like, oh my God, we, we just, we gotta, we gotta bring the socks back. 
They're going to think we can't just steal our socks. I mean, God, what are they going to think of us? We can't take the socks. And I'm like, no, I don't think they're going to care about a pair of socks. I think they're good. They got money. They're fine. And, uh, and, but it was just like this big production. And so ever since then, on every single show I've done on my last day, I take, I take my, my, my socks. Oh, that's awesome. Now, this reminds me of say, like every time I go on a hike, I take a rock from where I went on a hike. Like if I go across the country and, but now I have a bunch of rocks where I don't know where they're from. But they're all in the pile. Yeah. So is that yeah. with? Do, do you were like, right? This is MacGyver, nineteen eighty, whatever. No, I, I can't keep them straight anymore, and and, and <laughs> they, they're they're in multiple Rubbermaid tubs because I keep all. So of them. So you don't wear them; they're just like keepsakes. Well, well, it got to the point where I started thinking, you know, I should probably just donate them to you know because people could use these socks, yes. and, and and some of them are quite nice. And eventually, I was like, you know what? I always run out of socks and need socks. I'm just gonna start wearing the damn things. Yeah. So I wear, I do wear yeah, them now, yeah. but I, I still can't keep them straight. I don't right, know right, what. Right. Um, so you don't know, like today, what? you could be wearing MacGyver socks. Could be. Or you could be wearing could be, commish socks. Yeah, it could be 4,400 socks. I don't know. Or Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds. It could be anything. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. interesting. <laughs> I don't like to tell a story too much because now I'm worried that the wardrobe department's <laughs> going to catch on. No, I think and... you need to listen to your own advice that you gave your mother. <laughs> They're not worrying about the socks. I know, I just, but I, I just don't want them to not give me socks on the last day because they've heard... <laughs> Me tell this story. So. I think it's an awesome story. <laughs> um, so, how much longer after your second episode of MacGyver did you get that recurring character on the commish? Because um, that was big. Was that your first big recurring role? The commish was like my first series lead. I mean, that was, yeah, yeah that was a big deal. And I, that was shortly after MacGyver. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think it would be, you know, uh, okay to say MacGyver probably led to that because yeah. in terms of building a resume and them going, well, does he have any experience on like a big U.S. network show? Right. Oh, yeah, he, did, he just did a, a guest star on MacGyver. Okay. Right. Um, and so that, yeah, that was that was fun because that was a... Um, well, now you're on a show where you you really have to emote. I mean, you're not just coming, <laughs> you're not just coming in doing a couple lines and yeah. helping. It's not just, yeah. you're, you're there to help the plot along. No, no, sometimes the plot is about you yeah sure and um yeah the whole callback was just uh them bringing me in and michael chiklis is there sitting on a sofa and they're like all right why don't you guys wrestle or something and i just took a run and start and dove at him and we just started wrestling around and and then uh you know because they wanted wanted to see how we kind of interacted they probably love that you weren't shy you're just like (laughs) all right jumped in and figured why not let's do that yeah and that was five years. Was that five seasons? Well, we did yeah we did four seasons and then we did we did a bunch of tv movies to kind of make up for the lack of the fifth season. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a, a big chunk of your like growing up life, mm-hmm. you know, before you became an adult. I mean, what's that like? You have your family at home. Mm-hmm. Did you have a set family as well that were helping you through like any kind of adolescent problems? Oh, that yeah. You, yeah. I mean, Michael was, I, I wish I could say he was, he was like a dad. He was more like a big brother. Right. Cause you know, he would always beat up on me and stuff and, uh-huh. and you know, uh, Michael and you know, Jason Shombing, a bunch of the guys, once threw me in a dumpster on set, and they got in all sorts of trouble with wardrobe. And, I mean, it was great. I mean, we we caused all sorts of trouble together. Um, it was unique because I grew up. You know, you go through puberty, you go through a lot. Yeah. You know, uh, on on TV in front of yeah. people, but I think it worked for everyone's benefit because they could basically write my real life stuff exactly. that was going on into the show because mm-hmm. you're a kid going through yeah. your stuff. So. Yeah. Um, was yeah. that the first time, uh, say, that you would 
be in a mall and maybe get recognized. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was neat because uh, you know, before then there wasn't any fan mail. And yeah. All of a sudden you're getting yeah. fan mail. Right. And people writing to you and people wanting pictures. And, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, it was, it was a really What did your parents time. think about that? I'm sure you thought it was neat. What did they think about that? Well, I guess the, the network used to screen my mail. Okay. <laughs> and my parents were like, nah, nah, just give it to us. And then we started reading through it. We're like, oh, Jesus. There's some <laughs> weird people out there. Uh, a lot of prison letters. Uh, oh, are you serious? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I had one that was like, hey, you know, oh, here, here it's your birthday in February. I get paroled in January. Maybe you know I'll what, come this you know what that was? That was the guy from that in Vancouver from the first experience you had on set. <laughs> yeah, he's still trying to find me. <laughs> he's still, he's like, where's, where's <laughs> that kid? Damn it. Eventually, I'm going to get this kid <laughs> oh, one God. way or another. Oh, that's so um, wrong. So here you are with another Titan, Michael mm-hmm. Chiklis, who, who, who you, you obviously had a relationship with because you were on the, the, the show ran for so long. Yeah. So two different questions. One is, did he ever give you, not career, but did he ever give you any like, do you remember any good life advice that he had given? Tons, or he, tons. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was like having a second dad. I mean, yeah. I spent so much time with him on set. Uh, he taught me a lot. And a lot of the, the things that I have in me as an actor or in terms of work ethic mm-hmm. as an actor is because of him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and not that I was like mistreating someone on on set, but something that has always st- stuck with me that he said it was, you know, listen, it's important to treat everyone on set, you know, kindly. Mm-hmm. Because, cause, you know, the PA that you're treating like shit today is going to be directing you in something tomorrow. Yeah, I'm that's like, yeah, so true. Yeah, absolutely. And so he, you know, he had such a, a strong work ethic. Like, I mean, there were days when, yeah, if I flubbed lines and stuff, he'd, he'd be like, Listen, you have one job. It's to show up and know your shit. <laughs> do it. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, there were times when he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't yeah. easy on me. I mean, yeah. he, but he drove in that work ethic and, and uh, you know, I've never, I've been late once to set in my entire career. Wow. You know, uh, yeah. two alarm clocks. And I so he was, wrong. he was, he was like um, a good, ro- so he was never late. He, he had a good set personality and you were able yeah, to he, learn from that he was a consummate professional he was a lead of the show i mean he yeah. was you know yeah but, but I've, i mean i've to, there's to, been leads of shows that it's hard are, on are him assholes, because he you, you know, know, he, so, you know so, yeah he's got a ton of dialogue yeah. he was only 29 when we started doing that show i mean he was fairly young that's young oh, yeah, to, that be, is to young. be the lead of a, of a big series. i didn't realize he was that young when yeah. that, that came yeah out. well they yeah. aged him up a little bit yeah. yeah but um yeah good work ethic and you know and i get it from my parents as well so it was you know, it was a, a great experience. I mean, I learned a lot on that show, and it was a good group of people. And it, mm-hmm. I think it really, looking back, I think it really molded me in a lot of ways. Right. You know, as a person and as an actor. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like it was a great experience. Um, you just mentioned your parents. It made me think. Um, so, your your birth name is Kai Eric Erickson, mm-hmm. right? It's Kai Dash Eric Erickson. Is yep. that um, a family name? It's, well, it sounds very Scandinavian. Yeah, well, my, my dad is Sven Eric Erickson. Okay. And so then they... Oh, so is that common? Um, in Is it a Scandinavian uh, It, it is. It's, yeah. a, it's a Danish name. Um, so um, to have the dash Eric, is that very common? Or uh, Not necessarily. Okay. I've seen a lot of Danish names. I mean, but in, in Denmark, you know, it's, it's not S-O-N. It's usually S-E-N. Right. And, um, but, I, you know, I haven't seen a lot of hyphenated names. I just... Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe he thought it looked cool. I don't know. <laughs> well, his parents gave him the... Yeah. He just goes Eric. by Eric now. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So he doesn't go by Sven? No, no one calls like him Sven. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and I don't go by Kai Eric. I just go by you, Kai. You just go by yeah. Kai. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I only saw that because that's what 
it says on, on yeah. IMDb. Yeah, people were like, is it a stage name? I'm like, no, no, it's my real name, but yeah. I just, no one's ever called me Kai Eric. Yeah. Even when I was in trouble as a kid. Like, I was my about mom's to say. like, not like, Kai Eric, get in here. You know? So it wasn't like, my mom's like, Audrey Maureen. <laughs> it was, nope. Have you ever uh, been to Denmark? Yes, I went with yeah. my dad. In, yeah. um, I think we went in 2001. Did you do any like kind of like family tree stuff or was it just to visit the area? Yeah, we, we went around and explored and I got yeah. to meet, you know, relatives and wow, that's uh, so cool. it was great. Yeah, yeah. We had a great time. We'd like to go back. We've, we've sort of been talking about that a little bit lately. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's in the uh, that process of getting his Danish citizenship back. He's super excited because they... Oh, so uh, he once had it, lost it, and now he's getting it back? Well, he moved to Canada when he was six. Oh, so he was born in Europe. Okay. He, yeah, he was born in Denmark. My mother was born in Sweden, and they both immigrated to Canada when they were young. Um, did they know, know each other? Did they get married and move? Or did they meet in Canada? No, they met in Canada uh, oh. you know, uh, later in, in life. Um, but Denmark's one of those countries that, that has this, this rule you can't have multiple citizenships. So, right. So he hasn't been a Danish citizen since he was a kid. Uh-huh. But I, I think it was last year they opened up a, a new rule that you can have dual. Yeah. And so now he's reapplying to get his Danish oh, citizenship back. He's very excited about it. Yeah. Well, you're a dual citizen. With... Of, of the U.S. and Canada, yeah. Yeah, what's that like? What's that like um, being a citizen of two countries? Because, um, you know, you're... You... I'm not going to ask because this would be a sh- I'm not going to ask, you know, who your allegiance would be to more. I'm just saying, you know, that would be so shitty. <laughs> I'm just saying, what what's it like knowing that you can go back and forth? You know, well, you can I'm, live I'm, here if you want. Yeah. You can go back to Vancouver and live if you want. Um, you know? I, I love it. It, yeah. it gives me a unique perspective into yeah. both countries. It can be depressing at times because then you see the best things in both countries that you wish you could combine in both. Right. You see the worst right. of the of things in both countries. Um, now you just got through um, a Canadian election. Mm-hmm. Now, do you get equally worked up when there's an American election and when there's a Canadian election? Uh, or I, since- I, I get I get very excited um, yeah. for for elections. Um, I became I used to have a green card. I got a green card when I was about fourteen years old. Uh-huh. Um, so I was very young, and when I turned 18, I was already living down here and I turned 18 and I got this nice looking sort of card in the mail. It was all, you know, blue and red and yellow. And I said, like, did you forget? And I'm like, oh, it's like a birthday. Uh-huh. And I open it up and it's this black bold print that says, you have failed to register with the selective <gasps> service system. You must register, you know, or you're going to be fined $250,000 and or six months in jail. And, you got the letter every American boy gets. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I didn't know this, but yeah, when you, you are obligated to mm-hmm. register when you turn 18. You have 10 days to do this when you turn 18 in America wow. as a male. And, and so I called them up and said like, hey, uh, I'm not American. I'm, I'm Canadian. I got a green card. Mm-hmm. And they said, uh, do you live in the States? I said, yes. I said, are you between 18 and 26? I said, yes. I said, are you a male? I said, yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> they said, well, then you must register within 10 working days. Even if it was just a green card. And they I were said, like... Yeah, and I said, but but I'm not, you know, I'm not American. I go, I, I live here and I'm working here, but I'm, I'm Canadian. Um, this this seems odd. And she goes, listen, you know, you, you have to register. It doesn't matter. You've got 10 days to do it. I would suggest that you, you register. Uh, and I said, but ma'am, I can't vote in your country. I can't vote for yeah, the government that's yeah. telling me that I potentially would have to go to war, yeah. you know, World War Three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, it felt really wrong and backwards. And so I waited to the, to the last minute to, to finally uh, send it in. But I had some strong reservations morally yeah. going, well, 
I can't, but I can't vote. I mean, voting is such an important I can't, tool. You know, I can't vote on what we think about this war yeah. yet. Uh, that's very yeah. interesting. So how long after that did you, did that start your process of, oh, well, I'd like to become a citizen? Yes, yeah, I sent it in. And then, uh, you know, in, in the U.S., once you've lived here, you know, like on a green card, once you've lived in the United States for five years, you can then apply to become a citizen. So the minute I was eligible, I, I went and became mm-hmm. a citizen. Yeah. Right. So How old were you at that one? That, that was in 2001, I became a citizen, because uh-huh. it was days before 9-11. Really? It was yes. that close to 9-11? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I think goodness. It, was, um, it was September 6th, I believe, I was sworn in. So that, that um, you know, that day is profound for almost any citizen of the world, because yeah. every country, a lot of countries lost people yeah. in, in the Twin Towers, including Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but that must have been even more profound that you had just gotten your citizenship and then yeah. an attack on this country happened. Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine what, how you felt. It was crazy because I, I had gone home. I basically, I got, I don't know why I did this, but I got sworn in. I'm like, all right, I'm going back to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I, for some reason, I had traveled back home. Yeah. And, uh, and so I went home and I was staying uh, with my dad. And uh, I remember he came and he woke me up and, and you know, because I was sleeping in. And he wakes me up and he's like, he's like, Wake up! He's like, wake up! They're attacking, you know, America. They're they're flying planes into buildings. And the first thing I said to him was, "Come on!" I'm like, "That's not funny, Dad. Don't joke around right, and stuff right. like that." Because it's un- it and was unimaginable. He's like, "No." He's yeah. like, "Get up, seriously." Yeah. And so I stumble out of bed and go down. And then, of course, it's like being transfixed for three days straight, just watching the TV and, yeah. and horror yeah. and shock and not yeah. even fully understanding what yeah. you're seeing because it's so unbelievable. Um, and then I, I couldn't get back into the states for a while because things were just shut oh, yeah. down and yeah. it was nuts. And I had dri- I had driven up. And so I, then I, I finally tried to drive back down and, you know, the border went from, you know, border guards with their feet up on the desk, basically. Like, like a hey, nice come on drive in, by wave. It's Canadians, or, you know, yeah. to like flak jackets and machine guns and full out, yeah. you know, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Well, was I moved, I moved to LA in 2002 and, um, we'd already planned that before, uh, the events of September 11th. Yeah. And, um, in December, we came out to look for places. And, you know, I grew up in the military. My parents were in the military. So I remember growing up overseas yeah. and seeing guns, like like machine guns and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, going to Orlando International Airport, the land of Mickey Mouse yeah. and everything, Disneyland, and going through security and seeing, you know, machine guns, it was just like, oh. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they things, had the, the National things, Guard at LAX. Things, you saw guys with the... You know, yeah, yeah. So we M16 went to Orlando. And to fatigues, you exactly. Know? You know, yeah. and, but I was like, oh my God, this is the place where Disneyland is. And then, and of course, we came yeah. here and there was the same thing. And it was just like, oh, things have changed. Yeah. I was, I was yeah. working on Boston things Public at the time and they, they sent everyone home. They shut down the studio. Yep. The studio had, uh, they called in armed mm-hmm. guards, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, that changed the way all the studios yeah. in, in LA work. They started putting yeah. in all sorts of um, barriers so people couldn't drive trucks with bombs right. you know yeah. through i mean it was crazy oh. and uh yeah it was, uh, it was did time. uh so you're on boston public at that time mm-hmm. were you ever on a show that was talking about something that's going on in the world or did boston public keep that separate from what was going on on that show you know where some people like say law and order or something mm-hmm. like that you have a show like that where they'll bring the events mm-hmm. of that day or events that are going on in the world ripped from the headlines <laughs> you know were you ever on a show like that um 
Not ripped from the headlines. Um, Boston Public was a great show because it was a very, yeah. it was a very smart show. Yeah, and and very socially aware. And that was a David E. Kelly show. Right? Yeah, yeah. David was phenomenal. I mean, he's yeah. so damn smart. He was writing for, you know, like three shows at the same time or something ridiculous when we were doing the the show. And, uh-huh. and like, how do you? It's hard enough to write for one show. When yeah, you're writing he's very prolific. It's insane. Yeah, he's a, he's a brilliant man. Yeah. Um. Uh. But that was a great show for being, you know, really current. And mm-hmm. talking about, uh, we, we covered a lot of subjects that were somewhat taboo, or at least mm-hmm. that weren't being covered um, uh, on television. Right. You know, it was, right. a, it was a very smart show. Yeah. As far as uh, growing up uh, on set, so say the commish brought you through puberty mm-hmm. and everything. Was Boston Public the next show where you, was that the first show where I'm an adult doing a show? Mm, well, I was still playing... A teen. You were still? Yeah, I was still playing a teen, and, and uh, I still felt like a teen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I was, what was I? I must have been 20 or 21, Right. I think, when we, when we did that show, and uh, when I started doing it. And, um, yeah, it was neat. I, I mean, I signed on. I knew it was going to be the last two episodes of the first season, and then possibly the first two of the second season, mm-hmm. and then it just, it just kept it going. Just kept the storyline just kept going. And, uh well, yeah. they obviously, I mean, you obviously had uh, people reacted to your character. It was, I mean, the well, numbers must have been good. Well, Kathy Baker was playing my mom, and David's oh, worked God, with her Kathy plenty and, and loves her. And, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that even with the rest of the staff writers on the show, I, I was told that David was the only one that touched our storyline. Like, that oh. was kind of his baby yeah. at the time, which is really cool. That is nice. Yeah. That is really nice. How, how long after... I'm going to get into my nerd stuff now. I've been patient with you, Kai. Okay. okay. I've been very patient. I'm ready. So um, how long after Boston Public did the 4400 happen? Uh, I think, well, Boston Public, for me, I believe, ended in 2002. Mm-hmm. And then I jumped on um, 4400 in 2004. Right. And when I got to set, Scott Peters, who um, executive producer, writer, director of, uh, of the show, um, because I auditioned by tape. Funny, I was in Vancouver over Christmas, and I put an audition on tape to send down to L.A., and I auditioned <laughs> right. for the role of my brother, Sean, originally. Right, and you then, played uh, a Danny Farrell, yeah. and so you auditioned for Sean Farrell. I, I auditioned for Sean Farrell, and then I went back down to L.A. after Christmas, and then they brought me in and had me read for uh, Danny and for Kyle, my cousin, uh-huh. Right. put them both on tape uh, down here, and send them back up to Vancouver. And, and so I booked it off tape. And so I showed up on, on set, and one of the first things that Scott Peters said was, you know, we, I loved you in Boston Public. You know, oh, really? I'm so glad you were part of the show. It's, it's like, oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, yeah it's he's, so he's interesting how, one, like you were saying, you know, MacGyver may have led to the commission. Yeah. Everything just builds on top of each other. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, how long were you, you know, for many of you listeners, you've probably seen the 4400. You know, if you're a sci-fi fan, it's and if you haven't, go watch it. Go binge watch it. It's it's, <laughs> it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It was a show on USA, mm-hmm. and it was I mean, it was tight, tight storytelling. Um, it was a great concept. Rounded characters. Yeah. It it's it's uh, a concept that's now a trope. You know, mm-hmm. and um, when did you guys know that you had this cult following? When did you know that people were starting to get attached to the show? Well, we 
we were only ever supposed to be a six-part miniseries. Mm-hmm. I guess the show was pitched as 22 episodes and 13 episodes to other networks, and, and no one picked it up. And USA finally said, yeah, we'll, we'll buy it, but we only want six episodes. Uh-huh. Make it so a did they write it that way? Just Yeah, that's why the, the ending of the first season is kind of like, it's kind of open, but kind of closed. Right. And like, mm-hmm. right. I don't know. Um, but we shot it as a miniseries, and mm-hmm. assuming that we weren't coming back. And we were all out of contract. And at the time, it, you know, it premiered and it set these massive numbers. At the time, it was the highest basic rated cable show ever. Yeah, when it that's premiered. amazing. So yeah. we went, oh, cow. And, uh, and then the network, of course, scrambles to bring it back and right. get us all back under contract to, uh-huh. you know, keep the show going. Um, so we sort of knew and had a good feeling right away that, like, this is, is going to be a big show. Right. Um, so that was... Is that it was true exciting. that... Um, so you did this the the, the first season and everything, mm-hmm. and that uh, Billy Campbell went and was sailing around the world, <laughs> and then like and then came back to set like like all this stuff happened where they brought it back for another season, and then he came back after he went on this long he, journey. He, he literally docked in Newfoundland and got on a plane and flew to Vancouver and started work the next day after getting back from sailing for a year wow. or whatever. And they told him they're like, don't shave or cut your hair just grow it out yeah so when he's all long you know that's that he, he is just, he's got that yep, long he just went away sailing just, that's billy i can just get up and go he's away sailing, sailing. i want to go sailing with billy. yeah i, I want to go too <laughs> um was that a, a close-knit family that set extremely i yeah. i think that's out of all the shows i've done that's the one with the the closest uh cast the tightest cast right um i mean commission was very close too but not uh, not in the same sense. I mean, right. this was like hanging out together outside of cast war. crew, everybody cast crew, uh, Jacqueline McKenzie. She was kind of like the, the, the ringleader of the whole thing and would mm-hmm. organize dinners. So every time we had a new director coming in for the next episode, we'd go out on a weekend, go out to a nice dinner with everybody, you know, get to know that director a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it was a really special group of people. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Now, uh, and what do you think about all the stuff that's going on now? I mean, there's this hashtag bring back the 4400. <laughs> yeah. You, you actually did, took some Twitter questions last week. Yeah. Um, when did that start? Was that, was that surprising to you that all of a sudden there's these people that want to bring it back? I mean, cause it's been off the air. It's been about 10 yeah. years, right? Yeah. Well, it, it ended in 2007. Yeah. So it's been off the air for, for a while, but you know, it's weird because with things like Netflix, it's like these shows get this resurgence in mm-hmm. popularity. Yeah. You know? Uh, that's true. Goosebumps is now on Netflix. It has been for a little while. Yeah. And that's right. And you were in a Goosebumps when... I get more fan mail and more messages on, on Facebook about Goosebumps than anything <laughs> else I have ever done. I swear to God. Um, Fascinating. Well, it's Goosebumps, crazy. I mean, that, that, that's an important part of a lot of the kids' lives. I mean, it's, yeah. it's such a great series. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's neat because the, the people that are my age, they're in their 30s, mm-hmm. that grew up with it, are now re-watching it on, on Netflix. So I'm getting messages from them going, oh, God, I've uh, loved it since I was a kid. And, yeah. and they message me. But then I'm also getting messages from younger kids who are seeing it for the first time. So it's right. a really cool thing to, to see. That's and, awesome. And with Netflix and bringing back these shows, you know, 4,500 sort of lives on. And so I guess, yeah, this... Because you never know. I mean, because you're absolutely right. I mean, today they announced that Star Trek's coming back. I don't know if you 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 a new one next year, right? Um, In 2000, they want it in 2017, right? And you know, CBS owns the rights to Star Trek's 
to Star Treks. To all the Star Treks. To the Star Treks. To the Star Treks. Um, like I said, adult beverages. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what they're planning to do is film the premiere episode, mm-hmm. show it on CBS, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the season will be on CBS All Access, which is their streaming service, oh. right? So there's so many possibilities, say, if this bring back the 4400, yeah. you know, had legs, sure. um, which we hope it does. I mean, it's not just Netflix, it's Hulu, it's right. Amazon, it's right. Crackle, it's everybody has a streaming service. Yeah. So there's like, it's, it's the way there's possibility. Yeah. There's sure. possibility. Absolutely. I mean, and they brought back heroes, so they damn well better bring back 4400. Was it a fan who started the hashtag? There are, there are, there are two uh, awesome super fans who are uh-huh. sort of uh, at the helm of this whole adventure. Right. Who started the petition and, and got the hashtag going, and uh, they've done a great job. They've managed to, to get everyone sort of back on board and excited and, uh-huh. and talking about it. And, and I, I checked Twitter just a little while ago before I came in here, and today we finally hit I think twenty four thousand signatures on the thing. Awesome. So we we need a lot more, but yeah. uh, that's that's good. That's I mean, well. That's where a, can people go to uh, to sign that? Uh, I could look it up. On my, oh no, wait! I put it in my phone on airplane mode. Um, oh no, no, that's okay. I can um, go yeah, to you guys if you guys are listening. On, iTunes, go to geekgirlauthority.com and put in Neil Before Odd and find this episode and I'll have all the information. Sure. And and even if you search the hashtag, bring back the 4400 on Twitter, there'll be so many tweets with links to the petition where you can go in and sign it. And it's super easy. It takes like two seconds and it's, you know, it's an easy thing to do. Well, here's the thing. So they, they, they had you answering questions on Twitter and you've been involved, you know, with it, you know, um, but Danny Farrell died. Mm-hmm. Right. Spoilers. No. Oh shit. Don't ruin the ending for me. I haven't seen it. I told you I don't watch my work. You don't watch your work. You you <laughs> you played the guy. But no no. But I just read an article about all these awesome ways that Danny Farrell yeah. is still there. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because he was such an honest young man that just wanted to do all the right things and he just loved his brother so much. Yeah. Well, when I was on set the episode prior to this one, and I was told, you have to go call Scott Peters. Uh, and I went, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I went uh-huh. into production office, and I called him at lunch, and, and he basically said, listen, I just wanted to let you you know, know that, uh, look, the show's not coming back. Right. Um, and we're killing you. <laughs> and... Uh, so I wanted you to hear it, and I wanted you to know. I mean, and because that's that's become sort of customary. And it's a nice thing when they they let you. They know they tell you in person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 the nice. But way. you, it must have been like if the show was in the middle of say, you know, a ten season run or something, and mm-hmm. you found out in season four you're dying. That probably would have been a little more crushing. At least sure. you knew that yeah. the show was coming to a close yeah. at that time. And it was nice that he let me know first. Like, look, the show's not coming back, so don't worry. Yeah. But he, but he did follow, and I'm going to hold him to this because he did say, you know, but if it, even if it does, if it, if it mm. does come back, we'll, we'll find a way to bring you back. Yeah. So um, I've got some ideas. I just think the body's oh, all no, nice. Oh no, no, I think Sean they're, they're... Can, can revive him, or someone with an ability can revive him, and then oh, absolutely. I think they should quarantine Danny, and he can work at NTAC. Yeah. And maybe NTAC can screen people that that need. Abilities and they can bring them to Danny, and he can give them abilities. I love it. I mean, help help the cause because he needs to. You guys write this down. Absolutely. I think. I mean, I think there's a lot of like um, fan ideas out there of what can happen with Danny Farrell. You know. Yeah. Have you spoken with any? Do you keep in touch with any of those folks from the show? Yeah, all all of those guys. Because I mean, that was that was a really tight knit show. Yeah. You know. um, 
I've never experienced that with just like going out every weekend with dinners and and, and events. Like Jacqueline always had fun stuff planned. <laughs> she just, <laughs> it was great. It was really, it was great. And it was a really good group of people. And, I, you know, it was fun because we were all just so excited to be a part of such a cool show. Right. We were fans of it as well. And so that makes, a, I think, a big difference when you're on set and you're right. super excited to be making the product that you are because you're mm-hmm. a fan of it as well and you believe in it so much that I, I think it translates. Maybe that's why the, the show resonates with people. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, I didn't, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't, I, I wasn't watching it when it was on. And I have a friend named Matt Young who, um, you know, he just knows me so well. He had the VHS tape mm-hmm. for the hundred <laughs> and was just like, you need. Yeah. You you and Brian need to watch this and we caught up and then there was the last season. Yeah. That, and that's the there's my doggy. Yep. Um go scout. I think that's the worst thing about that's before binging was a thing. Yeah. But the worst thing about binging a show is when you catch up and it's still currently on air. Mm-hmm. So now you've like you have to slow down in time and actually <laughs> watch it only 10 weeks out of the whole year. Yeah. I hate it. Did you realize that you're on the Star Trek wiki. Do you ever hear? Of, oh. Did you ever hear of uh, Star Trek uh, Memory Alpha? I, I I haven't. I didn't oh, know. I, okay. I was, well, I I'm was the big Trekkie, so out there. Um, there's uh, say like Star Wars has their own like Wikipedia. It's called Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah well, so I've heard you know. That. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes, so yes. Star Trek is called uh, Memory Alpha. Okay. Right. So you did a story for mm-hmm. Star Trek Enterprise, mm-hmm. which is. You're part of Star Trek canon, which I think is amazing. Yeah. I, I just... <laughs> and, and it's not that you're just a part of Star Trek canon. You're part of a story. Yeah. One of the biggest stories yeah. in the whole canon, which is the, you know, Khan Noonien Singh yeah. story where you played a an augment. Yep. Or a augment... Was it Udar? Is that how you pronounced it? Udar? Or Smike. You Smike, played, yeah. You played, played Smike, Smike. Yeah. yeah. And... um so you're an augment that it didn't work. Yeah. Right? So except you have hearing. Yes. You've got super hearing. Oh, hi my dog. Okay, hi. Scout, leave Kai alone. Oh, buddy. Oh, he's such a cute, cute guy. <laughs> he's like, please make mommy stop talking about Star Trek. She does this all the time. <laughs> he's used to it. So you're you um what was that like walking onto a Star Trek set? I mean, because it's such a I mean, that's iconic, a huge, yeah. iconic yeah. show. It, well, and again, I pretty much know for a fact I booked Star Trek because of 4400. Everything because, leads to another thing. That's awesome. Know, and then, because once I, I was sort of doing 4400, then you're initiated into the sci-fi world. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, and then it was like booking Dead Zone. I mean, all these sci-fi shows sort of yeah. fell into place after right. 4400. But it was awesome. I, I think we were, if I remember correctly, I think that was between first and second season on 4400 so we were on hiatus and I was back down in LA and I went in on it and um you know booked it and excited but I didn't know that it was like a three episode arc I didn't know the story I didn't know Brent Spiner was coming back yeah Uh, you know they kind of keep you in the in the dark you know you go in to audition you just get they don't a couple scenes some sides you don't really know what's going on and uh, is that because they don't want it leaked that Brent let's say Brent Spiner's coming back is a Noonien or anything like that? I or? guess you know, there's no need to tell us, us actors, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys just come you know, say your lines. You know, like, These are the words you say, now dance, monkey. And you, yeah. go, you, you do it. Um, and you do the best dance you can. Yeah, I dance my little heart out. Um, and it was, it was great. And, and showing up on set and 
you know, Scott Bakula is such a nice guy. Yeah. Um, Another 80s icon that you worked with. Yeah. Besides Richard Dean Anderson yeah. is Scott Bakula. That's amazing. He's a wonderful yeah. guy. A friend of mine was, was doing some sort of a fundraiser at the time and said, you know, do you think you could get him to sign a script mm-hmm. for me so that I can auction it off for, for you know, this fundraiser? And I went, yeah, I can ask. And it's always weird because if you're just a guest star, that's kind of a weird... You, know, you, like, you, you have to make sure that moment presents itself. It, it, you can't just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you're just there for a number of days. You know, you're not like mm-hmm. a part of the tight cast and kind right. of in their clique. And, and so I went and knocked on his trailer door and he's like, hey, what's going on, Kai? I'm like, hey, I hate to, hate to ask this and, and bother you, but I mean, would you mind terribly? My buddy's doing this fundraiser. Would you mind like signing the screen? He's like, oh, not at all. Come on in. You know, and uh-huh. just, just an awesome guy. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Did you ever watch Quantum Leap? I did as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, oh, yeah I yeah. love Quantum Leap. <laughs> That's so neat. Um, any? Did was there anything? I mean, at at this time, you're a seasoned actor. I mean, you've 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 done so much. You've been on TV, but like you said earlier, you know, you've you don't you never stop learning. You're right. always working I'm on learning. your craft I'm still and everything. Learning, yeah. Is there anything that you saw from or that you witnessed from Scott Bakula that you took with you? Um, again, it's amazing. The calmness, the, I guess maturity is the right yeah. word. I'm mean, watching these guys. They, they, you know, I, I've worked, I've been very fortunate that the, the majority of the actors that I've mm-hmm. had a chance to work with are all fantastic. There's, there's only ever been a few bad apples and people right. who are, who, right. who go out of their way, it seems to cause trouble and be disruptive and create mm-hmm. drama. And they're just rude and misbehaved and they yell at people and treat people poorly and it's just you know I, I think I, I the best way to sum it up is you, you have a respect for a guy like Scott because you know they're there every single day they're right. carrying a show they've got a ton of dialogue it, essentially it's all on them right and and when they're able to maintain their composure and be kind and polite and really professional and they're on time and they know their lines and you watch them work with just this certain calmness and, and maturity, you go, wow, that's like, you really respect people right. like that. Right. I, I can only hope that I will be that guy one day when I'm carrying a show, you know? Well, you know, I'm sure you are now. I mean, the, 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 the most interesting thing is like, you know, you've been doing this since you're a kid and, you know, whether you go do a series regular or you have a guest star mm-hmm. on a show, I'm sure that there's, you know, whether they're, kid actors or people that are only doing their second or third episode of television ever, they're probably looking at you thinking the same thing that you thought about Michael Chiklis or Richard Dean Anderson or Scott Bakula, you know, I mean, that stuff is contagious, you know, you, you, you learn it, you take it in and you give it, you give it back. Well, I hope I can pass it along. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Was Brent Spiner that cool too? I mean, he was cool. It was, it was funny because I mean, he, such an iconic Star Trek guy. Yeah. And so he, you know, he's doing the three episode arc, but he comes in and he's almost direct. He's like, no, nah. he's like, let's do it like this. No, the door's got to open sooner. Let's have this happen. And why doesn't he come in? For-? And, and, you know, he's, and no like, one's going to argue with such- data. <laughs> you, know, you don't argue. And you just go, yeah, it's, you know, he knows he's been doing it long enough. He knows. Yeah. I mean, he's such a part of the show. You know, just- you're right. He knows how fast those doors need to open. Yep. And just how stuff has to work. And I need yeah. to block out these scenes. And so it's like, okay, yeah. we'll just, yeah. yep. Was he, right. that, that's really cool. And he was um, a good uh, energy on set. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. So you've done these cult shows as far as, uh, say, in the science fiction genre, mm-hmm. you know. And then about a year ago, oh, there's my dog. Um, <laughs> a year ago, he's going to itch. 
You guys, he's, he's, it's, it's very dry here in Southern California. It is. I've been miserable. Yeah, I have two. Yikes. My collar's been jingling as well. <laughs> um, then about a year and a half ago, was the year and a half or two years ago, you get a role in a horror movie. Yes. Like, like with the Soska sisters, yeah. the Twisted Twins, yeah. you know, uh, true horror aficionados, you know. Um, what was it like being on a horror movie set? Had you ever done anything like that before? Not since I was a kid. And that was, I'm um, sorry, See No Evil 2, right? See No Evil 2? Yes. Yeah, that was great. No, I hadn't done a, a horror movie since I was a little kid, mm-hmm. and that was a horrible experience. Um, and it was a genre that I definitely wanted to break back right. into. They're right. fun. I mean, they're fun. You're running around screaming, getting chased. I mean, they're, it's just goofy and fun. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Um. What was something that you learned from from those directors, the Soska sisters? They're, the the twins are amazing. They they live and breathe the horror genre. Yeah, you know, uh, maybe a little too much like, to the point where they're coming up to you on set and they're like, "Have you ever seen?" And then they'll they'll mention some obscure like Japanese animated horror film from nineteen, and you're like, "No, I've, no, I have not seen that film." And they're like, okay, well, well, then just do it like this. And you're like, "Okay." Had you ever done anything um, on? a show or a movie where um, there was that so many special effects as far as blood and guts and that you had to um, block around, you mm-hmm. know? We we wanted more blood. They wouldn't let us. And then they ended up having to go back. And, they? And, and, and Well, I guess and, and, because it's the WWE, so I'm assuming that they wanted to keep it somewhat... Uh, Decent for kids. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a WWE. Yeah, going around hacking people up. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But there wasn't enough blood, so they had to go in and digitally add more. Blood oh, so later they on. added yeah. some later on. Yeah. Um, well, speaking about wrestling, I mean, you work with Kane. Yeah. Yeah, and and um, from what I hear, I mean, he's obviously uh, people are huge fans of him yes. in the wrestling yes world. It's massive. But evidently, he's like. A brilliant genius as well, right? He's, he's a nice guy. He used yeah. to be a, a teacher. He's, yeah. He is so smart. He's so articulate and calm and just yeah. a wonderful man. I love, I adore that man. He is wonderful. Yeah. Um, and again, like, I mean, talking about a great group of people, we had an absolute blast making that film. The uh-huh. twins are so wonderful. They're great at what they do. They've got, yeah. you know, they've just got it figured out. They know and love and breathe this genre you know, uh, Kane, Glenn, is just wonderful, and everyone showed up. We had long-ass days, and I've been on shows when, when you're doing 16, 17-hour days, it feels long. You're yeah. pretty miserable at times, and not a single day on set felt long. Oh, how nice. You know, it, there was yeah. always just a... The, 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 the twins bring such an amazing energy. I mean, they... It rubs off on everyone. Mm-hmm. They keep it fun, um, and, and focused and it's just a, it's a great environment and it really makes for making good, fun movies. Mm-hmm. I always want to work this way. I yeah. wish it was always this way. Yeah. Yeah. How long was that shoot? 15 days. Oh, you did the whole movie in two weeks? Yes. Wow. So it's, it's insane. I mean, that's a lot to pack in. Yeah. Uh, and I've done enough 15 day shoots where, yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie. You're flat out miserable. I mean, yeah. it is, uh, it is a crunch, uh-huh. especially when you're in every scene and you have a lot of dialogue. It's brutal. Right. Um, and this one did not feel long and, and difficult. It was it was really an easy shoot with good people. Right. Yeah. Now, um, it was also that year right after it was released, I saw you at Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Was that your first Comic-Con panel? 
That was the first time I've been to Comic Con many, many times. San Diego Comic Con. First time I had a panel. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's I've I've been on many panels Mm -hmm. at many cons, but never the mother. Yeah. Of all cons, which is San Diego Comic Con. Um, How excited were you for that? It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. I mean, were you nervous because you're like, oh my god, I'm at San Diego Comic Con. Um. Not, not really. Yeah, good. I, I don't, I don't really get nervous in those situations, you know, because yeah. I, I just figure you're, you know, when you do a panel like that, you're talking to fans and people who are excited, mm-hmm. and you, you just share your stories, and there's really nothing to be nervous about. It was more of an excitement, like this is it, this is mm-hmm. like the big one. I mean, it's Comic Con, mm-hmm. and we get a panel. Yeah. And of course, we all steal the you steal your name card. Of course, and take it. And I still have it, and I stare at it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, that's such an iconic. They iconic they have con. they have a fun warning on the back of them that says, "Please be aware that some of our our you know people present are of a younger age and mind your language." <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah, there's like a little thing on the back of the cards. That's true. That's the, true for all the people. Yeah, yeah. I just did. Yeah. Um, well, you were there uh, as well. Uh, Stanley's Kamikaze this past weekend, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, it's a great con. It's such a blast, but it is a smaller con, so there aren't those name placards and everything like that. And yeah. um, we did a Geek Girl Authority did a when comedy and geekdom collide. Yeah. And I think we we're thirty seconds in before people were dropping f bombs and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was just like, I looked out at the crowd because I was moderating. And I was just like, well, it is. This is a bunch of stand up comics, yep. you know. Oh well, I don't see any kids or yep. no warnings. Let's go for it. Yep. And oh, it was, the same thing. I yeah. think the twins lasted. You know, ten seconds before. You know. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It is. Fine. It is a horror movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, for God's sake. Well, here's <laughs> the thing about um, "See No Evil" too mm-hmm. that I wanted to ask. Um, so, of course, the Soska sisters, Twisted Twins, they have a following. Yes. Right. Um, just like the 4400 has a following, just like Star Trek has a following, and just like you said, Goosebumps. Yeah. You know, um, what is uh, the major difference between those fan communities? Say, like, because um, because. Um, I'm not a huge horror fan, mm-hmm. but the people who are are mm-hmm. all in. Just like I'm all in with Star Trek. Right. So is there a difference between the fandoms, or are they all the same, just loving different things? Yeah, I, 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 I believe it's just loving different things. Yeah. You know, you get people who are passionate about a certain thing, and that's, that's what they love. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because I've noticed, I've seen it from the horror side now, and I've seen it from the sci-fi side now. It's the same. It's yeah. people who are excited about their show. You know, or uh-huh. their movie, or yeah. their actor, or their director, whatever it may be. Uh-huh. Um, when you're signing at a con, um, mm-hmm. since you have different shows in your past, um, what do most fans like? You have your headshot saved mm-hmm. from the 4400 from See No Evil 2, whatever thing. What do most fans go for that you see if it's at a con? Well, the, the tricky thing is people come up and talk to me about shows that I don't have pictures of because it's oh all, it's, really yeah it's a little harder to get good quality photos pr- printed up now because a lot of times for shows that I did way back when yeah you know the publicity stills don't exist or they weren't taken right. so it's like you can try and get a good quality screen cap I guess uh, off a DVD and print uh-huh. them up but they don't always look great right and, so, and you don't want to yeah it's like yeah. I don't have any commission ones and people come up all the time they want to talk about commission it's like well hell I wish I had a uh-huh. a good commission promo shot that I could I could you know assign for people right um, and goosebumps I mean because again goose, I get more attention 
from Goosebumps and anything else. So it would make sense if I had some damn Goosebumps yeah. photos to be able to sign. But uh, but nowadays you, you probably do a show and immediately you get all the pictures that you need, right? You, well, yeah, because now, now in they 2015, have the, the, the photographers yeah. on set and they snap yeah. away. So, you know, yeah. I, you know, I've got some great Ceno Evil 2 ones, but uh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's fascinating. All right, so we're running out of time, so I only have a, a couple more things to ask you. Um, so we were talking about the dual citizenship, and, mm-hmm. and so you spend pretty much, I'd say, half your time in Vancouver, half your time mm-hmm. down here in Los Angeles. Um, best and worst thing about L.A.? Ooh. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, that could, that could get dark. I'm way too honest with the, in these things. Well, if you don't want to get... <laughs> well, what's the best thing about L.A.? Um, well, the best thing about LA right now is that my girlfriend and one of my dogs is here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, right now that's essentially my only tie to LA. Otherwise, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, LA has its ups and downs. I love many things about LA in terms of the city and what it has to offer. I love right. things like the Getty, you know, museum and, and things like that. But, uh, it, it can be, you know, Hollywood, I think is a weird city. Right. I prefer, I think, other California cities like San Diego. I love a lot of Northern California because uh-huh. um, LA is a weird beast. It, it, it's a weird. It is. It's you know? it's very unique. You know, there's. I think there's. Uh, um, I think in any country, but in the United States, when you, somebody asks you, you know, what are the major cities in the United States that have a certain character? You know, you get San Francisco as a character. Mm-hmm. So does Chicago, so does New York, so does New Orleans. Yeah. And you know what? Los Angeles is its own beast. Yeah. There is no other city like it. Yeah. There's only a few cities in the country that you can say there's no other place. Yeah. You know, Miami's like that, you know, yeah. and, and, and everything. Um, between Vancouver and Los Angeles, mm-hmm. what's the best thing you like about Los Angeles weather that is not in Vancouver, if anything? Probably the fact that it's not raining. All the time. All the time. And it's but warm. when you're here, do you miss the rain? <laughs> no. No. No, I don't no. I don't miss rain. Is there anything about Vancouver weather that so 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 you if you had to pick between weather, yeah. it'd be Los Angeles all yeah, the way. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now what's the best thing about Vancouver as a city that you grew up in? What's the what do you love about it so much? Well, I mean it's it's home. It's home. So there's always this uh, uh-huh. connection. Um it's I can breathe up there. The air is actually nice and clean. Yeah. That's, an, that's an amazing thing. It is. Um, like when it rains here, like it just did a couple hours ago. Yeah. I know when I walk out front with you as you're going to your car, all the raindrops are going to be dried on my car mm-hmm. and it's just going to be grit. Yep. Because all those raindrops were full of dirt. Yep. You know, and, and the dirt and that was smog. sitting on your car because of the smog and the it, it, soot that falls exactly. from the sky. And in Vancouver, it's much cleaner. Yes, you can actually breathe. Yeah, um, but I'm a I'm a BC boy, born and raised. I'm used yeah. to lakes and mountains, mm-hmm. and so I think that's what's hard about LA for me is that right. you know you you can't just go to a lake and hike and have right. beautiful mountains and and trees and, and it's... well, if you were in Los Angeles and you woke up and all things are wonderful, mm-hmm. okay, and you had the day to yourself mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, what would you go do? Would you try to find a place like? Drive to Santa Monica to the beach. Would you go to the Getty, like you said? Mm-hmm. What What would be the one thing you would want to do, or would you want to stay home? I mean, no, I I, I like the beach. Um, uh-huh. I like LA, you know, because 
there's a lot of good wine around California, and there's yeah. vineyards that are in, even in Malibu. You can find. I've places. been to vineyards with you before. Yes, it's it's, it's amazing. It's pretty damn awesome. I love it here for for that, and and. I don't think I was ever really a wine drinker till I moved out here. Really? Well, no, I did, but it was just like, you know, I'm going to buy what label looks pretty. And now I can drink a wine saying, oh, no, I I can't tell you why I like it. I'm not that kind of wine connoisseur, but I can tell you, oh, I like that. No, I buy buy them for their labels if I see a unique label. (laughs) Yeah. But it's funny because I used to prefer red wine. I was always a red wine drinker. hated white. Yeah. But living in L.A., I think it's just because it's you know it's warm all the time. So the idea of having a cool or nice, refreshing glass of white wine. So now I'm, I'm like ninety something percent white wine, yeah. which is the adult beverage we're enjoying right now. It is. It's a it's nice, it's a, a nice wine. white wine. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Now Vancouver, mm-hmm. all things being perfect, <laughs> you wake up in the morning mm-hmm. and you've got the whole day to yourself. Mm-hmm. What would you want to go and do? I'd just go rent a kayak and like deep cove. You know, and, and that's just like minutes for me. Like, like it's not a. It's not far. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 close enough. I mean, the water is nice and still. Yeah. You know, we don't get the waves in the ocean like we do here, so you can just paddle around in the ocean. I love uh, scuba diving. What um, about the the temperature difference between the two places? Do you prefer one to the other, or is Vancouver pretty temperate just because? It's so close to the ocean. Vancouver's not bad. I mean, a lot of people move out from elsewhere because the winters are. You know, they're yeah. warmer than yeah. anywhere else, really, in in, in Canada. Um, it's not too bad. I mean, hey, thanks to climate change, we're going to be tropical <laughs> soon. Yeah. Uh, this year, we we, we, we had a crazy drought up there. I mean, everything died. I, I'm lawns. sorry. I just have to warn everybody. Um, did it hit you yet? Oh, God. He didn't, did he? Yeah, he did. Oh, it's really boy. bad. Oh, boy. My dog just farted. I'm so no, sorry. No, it hasn't drifted over here yet. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can barely breathe right now. We're talking about wonderful nature. <laughs> And Scout. Yep. Thanks, Scout. Why'd you have to do this? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So um, you're heading back up to Vancouver soon, huh? Yep. I'm going to go back up uh, this week in a couple days yeah. from now. Yeah. And you're doing most of your working up there right now. They're keeping me busy. There's a, yeah. there's a lot going on up there. Yeah. Well, and, like you uh, said, you know, thanks to climate change, like I'm a voracious science fiction re- reader, and every time I'm, you know, a lot of books I've been reading – uh, I just finished this book called Game Board of the Gods, which I really liked. It's mm. it's it's a YA book, but mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. And um, it's an alternate re- reality in the future, and Vancouver is just, it's the capital. It's the capital of everything. And I've yeah. seen that a lot in, like, even on the TV show Continuum. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like it's Vancouver. A great show. I loved God, it. I want to do That was good. So I, I, I was so sad to see that go. Um, you know, rather than pretending Vancouver is somewhere else. No, yeah. they were in Vancouver because yeah. it is a metropolitan global city, yeah. you know. And that's one of a few shows now that, um, I don't want to say they're primarily Canadian shows, but they're, yeah, they're set in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're Canadian shot funded and all of that, but it's these U.S. networks are now picking up mm-hmm. Canadian shows. And we're actually able to, I mean, put out some amazing television shows that are being picked up by big U.S. networks, which yeah. is a really cool concept. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and yeah. yeah, so they don't worry about it. They don't change it. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it's set in Vancouver. That's so awesome. Yeah. That's so great. Kai, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with Thanks me. Thanks for having me. This is great. And um, when I say sitting down, I mean kneeling. Thank you for kneeling for the entire hour. I think my knees are locking up. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up. That's your problem. No help, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. Thanks, I think. Safe journeys back to <laughs> Vancouver. I'll be crawling. Supplicants, you may now rise. The merciful Ard has chosen to spare you. 
speeds. Exit the internet to your left.